Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative uh, here once again with the last week in Mortgage Today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest news and developments with the mortgage industry. Uh, each week, I pick one of our lender members to be my co-host. And this week, first time in the co-host seat, guy I've known a long time, fellow Ohioan, uh, just down the road from me, the Senior Vice President and Director of Secondary Marketing for Premier Bank, Brooks McDowell. Brooks, good to see you, bud. Good to see you too, Rich. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you could, for just a level set for the audience, if you could, Brooks, just tell us a little bit about Premier Bank and the mortgage banking operation within it. Yeah, sure. So Premier is sort of a new institution. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, truly the combination, it was, it was the Premier was created via merger from Home Savings Bank and First Federal Bank of the Midwest, um, if you're familiar. So two banks merged announced the merger in late 19, and literally we merged about three weeks prior to the pandemic. Uh, it's sort of an interesting time to go through a bank merger and go, go through a pandemic all at the same time. <laughs> and that wasn't by design, but, you know, anyways, here we are sort of a thing. But, um, you know, we became Premier Bank after the merger. Um, you know, we land in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Indiana, sort of the surrounding states of Ohio. Uh, we're, we're typically about a $1.5 billion origination group. Um, you know, we, uh, we're originating sell model. You know, we sell to Fannie and Freddie. Most of our originations are sold to Fannie and Freddie. We do put some loans in the portfolio, so we do some of that as well. Um, but we're really sort of a, you know, a growing community bank, if you will. You know, we're, we're, we're retaining the servicing, but we have a fairly sophisticated mortgage banking operation. Um, we're selling to the agencies. We're selling to the investors. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we put loans in our own portfolio. Um, so we kind of have a, a wide variety of uh, product offerings and, and uh, program offerings to sort of meet the customer's needs and to deliver loans in the secondary market. We're a big construction firm lender, um, but we do a little bit of everything as well. Good stuff. Thanks for the overview, Brooks. And yeah, community banks position really well right now. You mentioned a couple things, uh, having ability to access the portfolio while still having the secondary mm -hmm. Market outlets, so good climate right now for the community banks, even though uh, the overall climate a little bit challenging. You mentioned some yeah, yeah. of the a home savings that you mentioned. We a former yeah. of mine as well. Last week's co-host, yeah. last week at Mortgage Today, was both of our former boss, Stan Foraker, and uh, I worked for Stan at Home Savings. Yeah, I made uh -huh. a move to another bank, and uh, they brought you on board, and we knew each yes. other. So it was a cool. It was a a, a cool cool cycle. So. There's two people in the industry. I always say there's, you know, there's the six degrees of Rich Rubinsky and the six degrees of Stan Foraker, right? <laughs> you know, you can you can pretty much tie everyone back to to Rich and, and Stan. And uh, I'm sort of, you know, lucky enough to sort of know both of you. And and uh, uh, yeah, sort of interesting times with the old, you know, home savings and loan. I guess at that point probably. But um, uh, yeah, good, so good like, to know Stan. I'm sure he had a lot of insight and a lot of home savings connections. It's like, you know, like the Bill Parcells and the Nick Saban uh, coaching trees of, of people. Exactly. You know, Stan Foraker uh, in the audience today. Secondary market guys and football coaches. I think everyone's from Ohio, you know. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it, Brooks. Um, let's go ahead and just start with uh, this Friday, this past Friday's jobs report. Very strong, mm -hmm. um, much better than anticipated. And, you know, actually, 
stocks tanked off it because mm-hmm. they fear that good jobs will cause the Fed to act more aggressively and the markets are living in fear of Fed hikes right now. Um, And more broadly, though, it it, it feels like we are in the midst of kind of a reset in our industry right now. We had just Mm -hmm. this insane first six, seven months of the year with this big run up in rates and home values, Mm -hmm. just zero inventory. And it's been a slow bleed in terms of the improvement in terms of rate reduction and inventory picking up. But it's been consistent, steady improvement. It feels like we're setting ourselves up with hopefully be a more more healthy and normal latter part of the year here. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I saw the jobs report, and I do this sometimes, you know, I thought to myself, is this good news or bad news? It's obviously good news for labor markets, but, you know, um, you know, is is sort of additional job growth, is wage, you know, improvement, which sounds good on the, on the whole, and normally those are good news. I think the market's still still sees that as a little bit inflationary and still puts a little bit of pressure on rates. So it was sort of a good news for the labor in the market, bad news for, you know, the price market sort of a thing. Um, and we started to see that, you know, rates kind of tipped up. We were, we were seeing rates really decline going into the jobs, uh, you know, late last week went into some of the um, jobs numbers and then started to pull back a little bit when some of the jobs numbers maybe looked a little bit better than what we were expecting. Well, that's good news for, you know, you know, those looking for jobs and labor markets, it causes a little bit of inflation pressure. I think we're still seeing that a little bit. So it's sort of like that teetering edge between, you know, what kind of report do we want to see? Do we want to see really good job numbers? Or do we want to see a kind of, you know, just slow and steady sort of a thing? So it's really a conundrum right now when we see some of those economic reports because it's like, is this inflationary or is this good for the economy? Really <laughs> bizarre. You wrap around it sometimes, but... You're a very accomplished cap markets professional. You watch the markets every day. But what you just yeah. said so true, like it, historically throughout time, like good economic news would cause um, mm-hmm. stocks to rally and bonds to mm-hmm. sell off. Being a little yeah. yep. generalizing here. Um, and the, the flip side, right? I mean, uh, bad yeah. news is going to cause stocks to tank and bonds to rally. But now recently it's, is it recession, non-recession, inflation? Yeah. Yeah. It, there's so many moving parts that you're seeing strange market reactions off news. To your point, you don't even know, like, is the market, is our bonds and or stocks going to rally off this news or yeah. sell off? It's it's kind of weird. They move the same as well. Typically, stocks mm-hmm. and bonds move opposite, but we've seen a lot of similar. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, you started to see stocks sell off without reporting. It was like, I think it was, you know what, this might be a little inflationary. This is good news. But it's still there might be some price pressure in the market, and you know, does that continue the Fed on their rate hike schedule? Um, you know, continue continuing to tighten by 75 basis points, you know, per meeting. Um, it seems like they're still on that trend. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna ring out inflation one way or another, um, and we're gonna have to try to deal with it. They haven't moved off that plan just yet. Um, so it was one of those things. It was great news from the labor market, but still probably some price pressure. Um, but rates have declined, obviously. I mean, from where we were, I, I took a look at our rate sheets and our pricing going back to June, and we touched 6% on conventional pricing. Um, and here we are, you know, back into the upper fours, low fives, you know, depending on where you're pricing, um, you know, adjustables. You can still see some good deals. You know, they might be adjustables. Um, you, know, you might be able to get into the, the fours on some 30-year fix, but maybe you have to pay some points. Um, buy-downs are cheap, which is good. Uh, you know, you can get a little purchasing power there if you pay a little in points and most markets you don't 
it's not really recommended that you pay a lot of points, but right now there's some deals out there where you, you know you can buy down for a point, you can buy down by a half point, five eighths of a point, you know, that sort of thing. So um, rates, the rate environment is definitely getting better than where it was, say, two or three months ago. Um, but there's still a challenge and there's still, you know, I think some upwards pressure on rates just because of, you know, some of that, uh, you know, lack of slack in the labor market. Yeah. And on the labor market front, Brooks, got a report. I just shot you a note on just just before the show because I thought it was relevant. Productivity. Yeah. Labor productivity in America report just came out from U.S. Labor Department uh, this morning. Um, In a nutshell, labor productivity in America is at its lowest point since 1940. Yeah. Yeah. Dropped at an annualized rate of 4.6% in Q2. Yeah. Was after a drop of 7.7% annualized in Q1. Um, Our industry, I've just heard it talking to our members, leaders like yourselves, mm-hmm. and we've seen mm-hmm. it in the benchmark. Um, you know, mortgage industry is still largely very much work from home. Um, so, you know, I, I think broadly in America, we're seeing just worker productivity is at is it the lowest levels it's been at since the Indians last won a World Series, 1948. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're seeing slowing growth and you're seeing, you know, increasing labor costs. So, that's obviously, you know, the the lack of productivity is no surprise. And we're seeing it a lot in our industry. If you look at, you know, the first quarter MBA performance report, you know, the I believe the fourth quarter of this year, you know, uh, loans closed per FTE, fulfillment FTE, we were 5.2. Look at the first quarter, we were 3.7, you know, loans closed per FTE. So we're seeing, you know, shrinking production. We're still seeing costs, even back office costs increase. It's not even just you know, loan officer costs, it's, it's production costs, back office costs increasing. And then obviously, you know, overall um, lending activity slowed down a little bit. So yeah, productivity, we're kind of getting it from, from both sides. You know, unfortunately, bad guys from both sides, we're seeing slow growth, increase in costs. And that's, you know, that's pinching. It's crazy. If you would have like six, seven, eight years ago said, hey, seven, eight years from now, it's still going to be take the mortgage industry 43 days to close a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, still not going to have e-close and the cost to originate is not going to have been reduced at all right. when companies, right. these big tech companies like uh, Ellie Mae and others in mm-hmm. the mortgage industry mm-hmm. really started get go- getting going seven, eight years ago after kind of like stem back the push button, get yeah. mortgage, rocket mortgage, Super Bowl commercials, started to see the point of sale platform. Uh, right. Here, here we are. I forget how many years ago that was. See if seven, eight years later. And uh, not a lot has changed. The average time to close a loan right now in TMC mm-hmm. Benchmark for our network, it's like 41.1 days or something, which is where it's always been historically with some. Yeah. Yeah. And we used to, you know, say, well, it's compliance costs, compliance costs are driving up, you know, the cost of new business, but it doesn't feel like, you know, necessarily that's the case anymore. I mean, compliance costs are obviously, you know, they're always there and they're always, you know, they're always a challenge and they're always rising, but it doesn't seem like that's the culprit right now something we may have thought would have been a bigger issue seven or eight years ago. Um, you know, it's really just the labor cost. And you're right, even with automation, we haven't made any huge strides there. Um, you know, it's not adjusted for inflation, but I mentioned that MBA performance benchmark. And, you know, if you look at quarter after quarter, you know, those costs continue to go up. Sometimes they steady in good markets when we're, you know, when we're doing a lot of production. But if you look at the average cost per loan, um, you know, I think it went up by $1,200 just quarter over quarter uh, this last quarter, you know, at least according to the, the MBA survey. So 
yeah, that cost just continues to go up and we just haven't made, even with, you know, some, some uh, great new technology in our business, just, it hasn't seemed to bring down the production costs at least yet. Yeah. A lot of factors for that, you know, and, and like the pandemic is one of them because it just got so mm-hmm. busy. There's yeah. like new tech implementation largely mm-hmm. was, was paused for a year and a half or two, but it is kind of crazy. So <clears throat> This is the last week in Mortgage Today. I am Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week joined by Premier Bank Senior Vice President and Director of Secondary Markets, Brooks McDowell. Brooks, inventory, the mm-hmm. biggest headwind to our yeah. industry. Demand strong, rates coming down, prices and value stabilizing. Still inventory issue uh, in our industry. Inventory is getting better, but very slowly. Mm-hmm. The oversight. Yeah way to look at it. We're up. You look at the weekly inventory counts um, up about, it, it's been like on average up like 1% week over week for the better part of the last couple of months. So we've seen some increase. Um, year over year, total listings are up 32% currently from a year ago, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but they're down 11% from two years ago. Yeah. So um, the inventory issue um you know, there's no quick or easy fixes, but it feels yeah. like it's in a, a continually improving situation as we get deeper into 22 year. Yeah, it's uh, you can see it improving, but not fast enough. That's for sure. Um, and it was just so tight, you know, over the last 12 months that, you know, just a, a small improvement is really probably not something that's really going to change the market all that much. Um, anecdotally, you can see some improvements, you know, I'm I'm sort of a Zillow geek, so I kind of daily check, you know, what houses are available, you know, around where I live sort of a thing. And you can start to see more houses become available, and you can start to see that, you know, they're on the market for a little bit longer than what they were, say, you know, even just a few months ago when houses were literally being snapped up in 24 hours sort of a thing. But, um, you know, obviously, refis are gone. Uh, Construction's a, a little bit of a unique market right now, which just everything going on with supplies and the ability to, you know, sort of accommodate all the customers. So, you know, you kind of think this is a purchase market, but just the inventory challenges are really problematic. It's just, there's not enough deals out there and everyone's fighting over the same deals. You know, when people kind of hear, you know, that it's a, a tough purchase market, they, they start to think, well, is it is a bad housing market? And it's not, it's not values. It's just the amount of, um, you know, homes available. And right now, just for the purchase market with lenders, there's just, you know, not enough deals to go around. Um, there's just not enough houses for sale. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if home values start to pull back or plateau a little bit, which I think they might start to here second half of the year as we go into 23. If that changes anything, but, you know, you start to wonder from the seller side, if values aren't quite as high, you know, maybe you've had some some sellers, recent sellers, try to take advantage of the you know, the increase in home prices, but if they start to level off or maybe a slight pullback, that sort of thing, you know, is there going to be as many motivated sellers out there or someone to try to take advantage of, you know, taking advantage of the tops of the housing market. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's, it's improving, but not fast enough. Very well said, Brooks. <clears throat> um, other news this week, uh, federal government out there uh, has a proposal for changes to uh, CRA uh, Act, Community Reinvestment Act, and uh, which decades and decades ago was created, and just the world has changed since then. And 
Um, government is proposing some changes to DRA that uh, they've opened up for public opinion. And according to a new story that came out this week, they've gotten a lot of opinion on that. Uh, any yeah. thoughts on uh the CRA proposed changes, Brooks, or, you know, just as somebody that's worked for depository institutions for, for some time, how you, it, it's how you manage to it and, uh, yeah. and achieve your you goals. Know, you know, we're a big seller to Fannie and Freddie, but we also have our own CRA program, um, an LMI program, which has had a lot of success. We, you know, we've traditionally tried to, you know, tackle the CRA challenges through our own portfolio program. Um, Obviously, one of the agencies, they have some good programs, but yeah, there's been some scrutiny there. Um, so we really just, you know, we, we, we have a good solid, you know, zero down LMI program. Um, it fits, it works, it fits great. We just kind of tackled CRA problems sort of internally, putting ones in our portfolio. The CRA, you know, the, the, the agencies, you know, we've had conversations with them. I know especially Freddie, they'll, they'll definitely reach out for, you know, new available LMI programs or CRA programs for lenders in our footprint. But sometimes or for, for um, loans in our footprint, but sometimes, you know, they're not really offering where their target areas don't necessarily overlap our target areas and uh, it becomes a challenge. So we've traditionally stuck with portfolio programs as opposed to, you know, finding outlets for the secondary market. If a loan is in a, you know, in a CRA designated area and it meets secondary market guidelines, you know, we'll, you know, we'll sell those loans. We'll participate, we participate in all the agency programs sort of a thing, but you know, we've kind of taken a two-pronged approach where maybe the agencies have fallen short. You know, we have our CRA program, which we think is very strong and sort of, you know, fits our needs. So we've tried to take it on our own hands rather than leaving it up to the agencies to design programs for us. It's outstanding. And yeah, smart. And one of the advantages of being a lender that does have a portfolio is you can craft programs mm -hmm. that don't necessarily mm -hmm. have to meet the guidelines of GSEs or any investors that are really impactful uh, in your specific community and uh, meet the mm -hmm. need of, uh, you know, aspiring home buyers in that area. And uh, yeah, great to see that uh, Premier is still so yeah. active uh, in that if, area. You know, if you can do it, you know, you, you kind of know, sometimes you know your market better than, you know, better than others when you kind of go to national, you know, or aggregators, that sort of thing. So, you know, we design programs and tailored programs that sort of fit the needs, you know, in our footprint. Um, if it meets agency guidelines and we can sell it, great. But if not, we have a program that's uh, a strong program that we can offer our customers. <clears throat> Outstanding. Um, other news that came out this week, uh, Fannie Mae um, does a monthly uh, consumer home buying confidence index mm -hmm. report that, you know, essentially pools, uh, you know, a large amount of uh, yeah. prospective home buyers or sellers to gauge, uh, you know, their perspective on the climate of the market and not a, a, a rosy report for July. Yeah. But my guess is, you know, with August, we've seen, uh, you know, rates fall and uh, some mm -hmm. other positive news uh, with inventory and other things that we'll see this reverse. But at least for July, just 17% of those surveys surveyed said it was classified now as a good time to buy a home yeah. it was down from from 20 percent in june um but then on the flip side um the number the percentage of people that said it was a good time to sell a home also mm -hmm. dropped from 76 to 67 percent. so to your other your earlier point brooks you know some of the things we talked about that are happening right now that yeah. are helping buyers get into homes uh to your point it's 
on the flip side, challenging, challenging the sellers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, and sometimes those consumer confidence numbers, it's interesting. Sometimes there's a little bit of a month or two lag. Um, but, you know, we were starting to see in the spring, we felt like there's a lot of on the buying side, just a lot of fatigue out there. You know, uh, buyers were getting tired of, you know, getting into, um, you know, just bidding wars where, you know, with 10 different other customers, you know, 10 different other uh, buyers, you know, trying to pay 50, 60, 70,000 over list price and just not being able to get the deal. So we started to hear a lot of, um, you know, buyer fatigue. Um, so that's not surprising. I, I, I figured on the buying side, which is values just went up so quickly um, and by so much that there's just going to be some buyer fatigue out there. Um, and then rates, you know, the rates on top of it, not only was the, the house costing more, the, their cost of financing increased. You know, they, they started working with the loan officer in January and they told them their 30 or fixed rates are, are in the threes and then they called back in February and it's in the fours and they called back in April and it's in the fives or we can get you in the fours, you gotta take an adjustable sort of thing. So I think there was just a lot of fatigue out there with buyers between you know just the, the prices of homes and then the, the increasing cost of, of rates. Um, so that doesn't surprise me, but it was a little, you know, it is a little interesting that we're starting to see some of this on the seller side too, that sellers are starting to say, this might not be the best time to sell. Um, I thought that was a little, that raised my eyebrow a little bit because I was expecting this. I sort of heard this on the buying side, but not as much on the selling side. So um, that will be interesting to see. You know, you, from the selling side, rates have kind of stabilized a little bit. Um, you know, maybe customers, once they kind of, you know, refresh themselves, they'll, they'll start to get back out there and, and buy again. Maybe price levels will start to plateau a little bit. Rates have started to plateau a little bit. So we'll just be in, a, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a better uh, buying environment, house selling and buyer buying environment in the second half of the year as opposed to the first half of the year. Uh, but it was a little interesting to see that the sellers have started to feel it already because um, I can see it from the buying side, but it was it was a little surprising to see it from the selling side as well. So uh, let's kind of hope that, you know, price levels starting to settle changes that attitude for both sides. Yeah, it's really interesting because historically this index, we've been keeping an eye on it. And, you know, mm -hmm. as the percentage of people that say it's a good time to buy drops, typically the percentage of people that say it's a good time to yeah. sell increases. But this was the first first uh, deviation to that. Yeah. Uh, tired buyers, fatigued buyers, a couple of great terms you use. I think that really accurately represents just the, the, the home buyer climate uh, earlier this year. But that can really start to change. People have short memories is the one thing yeah. I want to find people like. Yeah. Right now, 30 or fixed rates, good credit. My guess were what high fours today, like four nine, four eight, something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, we're 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 low fives, but you know, like I said, you know, you pay quarter points, something like that, you can all of a sudden get down to four nine or four eight seven five sort of a thing. So, you know, rates are you know, give or take five percent on fixed rates, you know, adjustables, you're still seeing great deals on adjustables, you're still seeing seven one arms and the low four sort of a thing. Um, you know, which is a popular product. we you know, we've done a lot of seven one arms over the last uh you know, six months, it kind of turned into an almost, I don't want to say an arm market, but you definitely start to, started to see more arm activity than fixed rate activity over the first half of the year. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Everyone has short memories. You know, once uh, if people were, were in the market to buy homes, you know, maybe they'll take the summer off. Maybe kids go back to school. Maybe they see that prices have started to stabilize. The rates have started to stabilize and they'll change their tune. And, and, and you know, sellers maybe won't, uh, you know, values have stayed up enough that sellers are still interested in that market as well. 
Um, but we'll see. I think it actually is a, a lot calmer of environment to buy now as opposed to say three months ago. Uh, but you know, maybe some of those customers that were in that market want to take some time off before they, you know, re-engage in the in the home buying process. Four nine nine right now sounds low to me. It really does. If you would have told yeah. me back in the fall when rates were two and a quarter that four nine nine would sound low on August 9th, I would have told you you're crazy. Or even earlier this year when yeah. rates were three and a quarter three and a half that, that 499 would, would have some sales appeal um, in August. But I, I think it kind of does right now. And then not that there's a ton of homes out there to buy, but uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's in historically, it's a very low rate. And then the refi yeah. side as well, um, credit card debt is in an all time high in America. Mm-hmm. And the average rate I saw on that American credit card debt is like, I don't know, 16.6 or 16.8. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for the refi part of our mm-hmm. business, that, oh, there's going to be no refis for two, three years, and we're going to be you know, 70%. Like, no, people have to refi. Yeah. Yeah. And we're starting to see, you know, we're seeing a lot of cash out refis just because people, you know, maybe sort of the buyer fatigue. I think some people started to say, you know what, I, I, I can't buy a home, but I have a lot of equity in my current home. You know, maybe I'll pay off some, maybe I'll refi, do a cash out refi, maybe I'll pay off some debt, maybe I'll remodel, maybe I'll add on, maybe I'll do whatever I need to do. Rates are still, you know, okay. Um, and rates in the fours, I think you can sell rates in the fours. When they start to get up into the upper fives, and, you know, like I said, we've been touched 6% there for a short period of time. That's sort of a tough sell. And I think that's when people started to really open up their eyes. But, you know, really right before the pandemic, you know, it's hard to kind of think what rates at, but we were probably in the mid to upper fours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people can tolerate that. I think that feels reasonable. So, um, yeah, you might st- we're we're seeing some cash out refi activity, just customers taking advantage of rates not being, um, you know, coming back a little bit, and then maybe doing something different with their house, maybe remodeling as opposed to buying. So uh, that will still be there. It'd be nice to see some more of it, but um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely more palatable to see rates in the fours than when it was approaching six percent. That's for sure. This is the last week in mortgage today. I am Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by Premier Bank Senior Vice President and Director of Secondary Markets, Brooks McDowell. Just a couple minutes left, Brooks. Uh, anything else? Uh, you, you've been, you know, studying the markets uh, your entire career. Any just broad perspective on where the markets are at right now? The interest rate climate. By far, the number one feedback and question we get on all these shows is like. Tell me what's going to happen with rates or tell yeah. me something smart about the rate climate that I can share with my pre-approved borrowers uh, or referral partners. So any yeah. uh, words of wisdom to, uh, you know, to- it's a difficult market. You know, sometimes when we're in these difficult markets for mortgages, I don't want to say it's easy. It's never easy. But, you know, we have something where the Fed's pumping money into the system. Now we're sort of in this environment and we haven't really seen this in probably several decades where, the Fed is actually pulling money from the environment, which has made, you know, especially the secondary market, very challenging. Um, so we're struggling with that. And everyone is, you know, we're starting to see a lot of unique things with pricing, you know, the starting to see premium pricing sort of go away. We started to see, you know, certain products, you just can't get a par rate. You know, you have to pay two or three points to get, you know, to obtain some sort of rate. Um, it's just been a really unique market. So, um, you know, we're, we're working our way through. I think markets are starting to settle a little bit. And we're starting to see more normalized pricing, but pricing started to get a little crazy there, uh, you know, back in the spring. So it's just a, you, you know, a unique market when everyone kind of thinks, oh, 
things are bad. You know, when, when we were in the recession of 09 or when we were in, you know, maybe 03, or we've been in some difficult time periods, financial, you know, financial, uh, you know, economic type um, environments, it's, there's been money being pumped into the system. So it's been, you know, the mortgage market has acted uh, fairly normal where this has been a sort of an interruption to the pricing market and something we haven't really seen. So obviously navigating it the best we can, but it started to impact uh, different products and different programs. Um, and I think it shrunk the market a little bit. So um, it'll be interesting to see the second half of the year, how lenders react. Um, I think things are starting to settle down a little bit. Uh, but we're also starting to see, you know, applications slow down a little bit. You know, applications were, were better in the spring. We're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown, and I think the industry is too. So it's going to be an interesting second half of the year. I don't know if there's anything, uh, you know, any great advice out there, uh, you know, for lenders. Just, uh, you know, try to attack every deal you can. Um, buy-downs are cheap. I said that. Buy-downs are cheap. Um, you know, so look. in certain markets, you know, we're not offering rates with points, but in some areas... Uh, you know, we have to do it. And, and um, you know, it's actually fairly a, a fairly attractive deal. So uh, we're just really trying to attack every deal we can and win every deal we can uh, and navigate the market that we're in right now, because it's something we haven't really seen in the last 20 or 30 years. Well said and good stuff, Brooks. Always enjoy catching up with you, talking about the business. Thank you so much for joining me this week and uh, spewing some knowledge at our members and, uh, uh, yeah, just really appreciate your time this afternoon. Great. Thanks, Rich. It was fun. Thanks for having me. And to our attendees, uh, thank you for spending 30 minutes of your week with us. We're here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern with the last week in mortgage today. You find us on YouTube after live video. Um, our live feed, obviously, Tuesdays at 2. And then on podcasts, where the majority of you listen, search TMC Connect wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the show that way. So Brooks, thanks again. Have a great rest of the week. And until next Tuesday, uh, have a great week, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Bye, Brooks. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.